The choo-choo train left right on time. A ticket cost only your mind. The driver said, hey man, we go all the way. Of course we were willing to pay. And folks, we're willing to dive deep into Weezer's The Blue Album, coming up next on Album Roulette. To another episode of Album Roulette, the random podcast about random music. My name is Ryan, and as, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Luke. Hey, how's it going? And Kyle. Hey, guys. Guys, how's this last week been? Uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride for us at work. Um, uh, but at this point, we are getting ready to to open up summer the summer season and uh, just just looking forward to to hopefully beating this thing. Um, you know, we I kind of subscribe to the belief that that kids are really going to need something to do uh, after two months of being locked into their house, and uh, I look forward to being able to provide that opportunity for them. Uh, and also, it was a good week because I got to listen to one of my favorite albums of all time on repeat over and over and over again. It's been kind of an emo week, uh, which I'm <laughs> looking back on it. This album is definitely, definitely emo, uh, but uh, <laughs> it was a good album. It was a good, good, good to kind of put myself back in the, those 16, 15, 16 year old shoes of my, uh, that I had. Yeah, nothing, nothing really exciting on my end. Every, every week starting to kind of run together. Um, and the weather is, is definitely taking a turn for the worse here in oh the Midwest. Oh my God. It's like every day is gray, is gray and rainy, and it's uh, it's not looking up in the in the future. So, um, so yeah, excited to uh, to get together with the guys and, and kind of talk music. Yeah, apparently we've swapped uh, climates with Seattle. I mean, it has just been rainy and awful. Uh, silver lining to that is thanks to everything going on, I've become a home gardener and. You know, for the first time in my life, I'm almost excited when it rains um, because that means that my little plants are getting all the, the water they need and can grow up big and strong and, and feed me and my wife different food. So that is an exciting part of this. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to report from the last week. I did have a, a nice surprise. Uh, Kyle did uh, come by and surprise me with a couple of driveway margaritas over the weekend. Uh, he and his wife came by and we stayed a, a proper social distance apart, but it was, it was good just to see people in person and not, not through, a, through a computer screen. So definitely I, I, things are running together. Um, much like Luke, I enjoyed getting in touch with high school me um, listening to this album. So, you All know, right. that driveway margarita just sounds like a dirty street slang for something like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll give you $20 you, for a driveway yeah, margarita. For dirty, <laughs> one of those, those drive my driveway margaritas. And listeners, if you do happen to know the correct definition of driveway <laughs> margarita, uh, feel free to email us. And I do want to point out, we did receive a, one of our one of our listeners has decided to email us with with some feedback, and it's none other than uh, Rick Jennings. Uh, my father would like to add a couple more. Can, well, he'd like to remind us of some more Canadian singers and artists that he considers are also better than Justin Bieber. So, I guess our list of 
I mean, we probably named 15 artists. Apparently that was not enough for him. So he would like to also submit uh, the following for the record. Um, he would like to submit Joni Mitchell, Ian and Sylvia, Gordon Lightfoot, Lauren Green, and the Arrogant Worms. And my question to, to y'all is, has anybody heard of any of these? I mean, I've heard of Gordon Lightfoot and I know the Arrogant Worms, but the other ones? Uh, I, they were there. Yeah. Oh, true. Joni Mitchell for sure. And I would, I would say, I mean, you know, being a big Canadian music fan myself, they're definitely in the top 20. We just didn't get that far in our list last week. We got to 15. So I uh, apologize, Rick, for not, not uh, getting to, to these classics. The one that I think is interesting about Canadian music that I've actually never listened to, I, I really need to, but the Tragically Hip is like a Canadian cult band. Have you guys ever heard of the Tragically Hip in your life? I don't think I'm hip enough. Nope. They, they are like, I think one of the top selling Canadian bands of all time, but just not heard of outside of the area. Um, I was, I was reading like a whole thing about it. I guess the lead singer passed away uh, a little while ago and was reading a whole article about it, but I had literally never, it's just funny how regional music can still be in kind of a, a, a world of kind of worldwide pop music sensations. But anyway, this is what it is. Yes. So we thank you, Rick, for enlightening us to more Canadian musicians. And again, if you'd like to send any feedback our way, you can reach us uh, at info at albumroulette.com. So please, we're here. We're not doing much. Drop us a line. Let us know how you're doing. Now, last week, we all felt good as hell about Lizzo's 2019 album, Cause I Love You. And this week, we'll be taking a long look at Weezer's 1994 debut work, The Blue Album. So to help us break it down, we're, we are joined by none other than Mr. Fast Fact Minute himself, Joe Shaughnessy. Welcome, Joe. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Listeners, it's, I'm, I'm glad to be back in the ears. That's good. And, and we're glad to have you. I, I have to admit, I'm a little concerned that by having you on a full podcast, uh, we may never be allowed to podcast again because your voice is is just fit for podcasting. Well, it's one of those things. Do I do the fast fact minute voice or do I just speak in my normal voice? I, I've got to figure out what works. It just reminds me of maple syrup, like running over my body. Like that's just kind of, mm. it's like president Obama. It just, <laughs> I was just attracted to you from the minute that I heard it. So I, I just, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's, it's 2020. We can say those kind of things, right? I'm married. He's married. I'd like to point out, this is from the man who steadfastly refuses to watch outer banks with us. And yet he is now visualizing what I can only imagine is our former president Obama pouring maple syrup all over, all his, over body. his body. Well, uh, I mean, just just listen listen to the voice. Just imagine it. Close your eyes. Obama <laughs> Obama cares. Mm. Since since Ryan brought it up, uh, we're just gonna quickly touch base on our our weekly um, Outer Banks discussion. Joe, Joe, what, what, we we gotta hear your position. Uh, one, are, have you watched Outer Banks? And two, you know who, who's who's your guy? Are you a JB guy? Or are you I can't even think of the other characters. JJ. JJ. Are you a Ward oh, Cameron oh. man? So it's, uh, we, my wife and I did, we watched it and we, there was one evening we just, I think it was like episode six. And it was one of those evenings where it was like, we cannot stop until we get to the end. Um, really just got caught up in the treasure hunt. Really made me want to go out and look in my backyard to see if there was any clues or anything. But um, 
yeah, we were totally, totally on it until the ending. And then I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm pretty much over it. Like it typical They yeah. Oh, but, you're, you're over it. You wouldn't watch season two when it comes out. No, I, no, I'm definitely going to watch season okay. two, but it's pretty much like you could have called it. Like it, it, it was very typical, but, um, man, I'm going to have to say I, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, Pope and JJ. That friendship is like one that you hope to find in life, like just ride or die. And that, po- you know, pogues for life. I'm definitely a fellow poger. So, I mean, I ride or die. Is poger the uh, correct term? That yeah. Is? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, if you know, uh, Outer Banks, please get in touch with us. If poger <laughs> is the correct term there, um, there's there's at least one driveway margarita waiting for you when you get back to us. <laughs> so, Pope's a Pope's an interesting choice, though. Uh, I, if if Pope mentions one more time his scholarship, I'm gonna lose it. I mean, it is. It's all he is. That's his ticket out of there, man. But he, yeah. he's having that internal conflict. Does he? Does he? You know, use his talents and, and success and, and get out of the pogue life, or does he stay with his friends? Who, who mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not friends, family. Family. When, you're, family. when you're a pogue, you're family. Pogues yeah. for life. I literally have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> But I can confirm that in in North Carolina, we pretty much are always just dusk. It's like Alaska, just 24-7. It's just dusk. Beautiful, you know, just perfect hour, golden hour type. (laughs) And I do have to say, they all dress like JB, or John B. Sorry, not Justin Bieber. They dress like John B. uh, Because Luke is currently sitting in a very open, flowing Hawaiian shirt right now. (laughs) That is true. Just... His hair, yeah, his hair is flowing. Nah, man, the upper the, three quarters of his chest breathe. The state uniform in North Carolina, especially if you're from Raleigh, is vineyard vines and sparries. Like you, and and then shorts that are like maybe like a six inch inseam. Like that is that is these people's jam. It's it's that's a kooks outfit right there. Is what you're describing. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for indulging us on on this on this conversation and, and we'll be, we'll be sure to bring back more Outer Banks, but we do have an album to get to. And, and as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be looking at Weezer's The Blue Album, which was added to the list by Luke. And I'm going to pass it off to Luke so he can tell us a little bit more about Weezer's 1994 The Blue Album. Um, so as I re- listen to this album, I, I think that I, I have to kind of say that I get it as far as uh, the Bieber fandoms. Um, when you're a teenager, I think that you you under you just want somebody that understands where you're at and, and gets it. Um, and, and as a kid that uh, is was was kind of chubby and had glasses, and I didn't have a girlfriend until senior year of high school, um, I think that this album and this band of these kind of nerdy rock stars that that made it and and got those social struggles that i that i had um really spoke to me when i was in high school um and it still speaks to me a little bit today um but weezer was formed in los angeles in 1993 with drummer patrick wilson bassist matt sharp and rhythm guitarist jason cropper and a lead guitar lead guitarist and vocalist rivers como um upon recording the blue blue album jason cropper was unfortunately booted by the band uh, and replaced by Brian Bell. Um, once they were discovered and recording their first album, the band was asked by, to choose a producer, and I would say wisely chose what somebody that I would consider 
king of the nerds, uh, Rick Okasik from the Cars, um, who, if you guys have ever seen pictures of him, he is truly king of the rock nerds, um, and uh, and 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 really brought the album together. Um, the album is is interesting because honestly, it's it's here it's filled with just pop driven just hooks and beats um but lyrically the album is is really dark it, it focuses on being an outsider uh social awkwardness but also uh has themes of romance love heartbreak and disappointment uh the blue album is noted for having several major singles undone the sweater song buddy holly which notably was included on the windows 95 install disc as well as say it ain't so the album peaked at number 16 on the u.s billboard 200 and has sold over 15 million copies worldwide uh my favorite fact of the album though uh, and it kind of goes back to jason cropper the rhythm rhythm guitarist being booted from the band uh this is a quote from rick okasik um and that is after the album was completely recorded rivers como who is the lead singer came in and said i'm firing the guitar player and i'm going to do all his guitar parts over i said you can't do that but he did and he did it in <laughs> one take <laughs> Oh one God. take. Um, and, and that's the thing that I, 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 I love and adore about Weezer, even if it is very much driven by Rivers as, as kind of the lead singer and kind of the front man of the group. Um, it is a group that, that just strives for nerdy perfection in all of their recordings, um, even though maybe as a fan, uh, I, I do disagree with some of their latter day sins. Um, this is one of those albums that really still sticks out to me and really makes a difference to me. Um, and, and I enjoy listening to even now, uh, even though I'm not a teenager anymore. Um, though giving this album a much more critical listen, um, I do have some different thoughts. Uh, I am not, I am still a Weezer fanboy through and through. Uh, but I, 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 I really looking at the lyrics there, there is some, some interesting uh, tidbits that and takeaways that I listen to this as I listen to this in 2020 and kind of how different that has changed. So we hope that you guys enjoyed the Weezer blue Weezer's blue album and uh, looking forward to the discussion with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And not to be outdone, but we do have a Joe's fast fact minute coming at you here about this album. Joe, take it away. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, welcome back to Album Roulette's Fast Fact Minute. I'm your host, Joe. The Weezer Blue album, which was released in 1994, is 41 minutes long, front to back. Luke, you've mentioned in previous shows that you have listened to it roughly 500 times. Now, I crunched the numbers, and that's about 20,500 minutes that you've wasted listening to this album. In layman terms, that's 342 hours, or a total of 14 days. Talk about a fortnight. You could listen to Freebird by Leonard Skinner a total of 2,040 times in a row within that time. In 1994, many NASA space missions were going on. A year later, Apollo 13 made its movie debut. Now, if those crazy boys took that album with them in the movie, they could have listened to this album 105 times just before missing the moon. And I'm out of time, folks. We will see you next week. Joe, I can't believe you did that live. That was incredible. (laughs) Always ready. Game time. Game time. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I I do think this is a, a really interesting album, and I love what Luke said about getting it with the the love for Justin Bieber because I I have that same affection towards this album. So I think the first question is kind of let's look back at the the first time we all heard Weezer. Um, 
Joe, do you want to go first? Um, I don't think I can pinpoint it to where I first heard them. Um, this album came out in 94 for our listeners. I was one years old. Uh, yeah, years. Um, so I can't, I can't bring a lot to the table, you know, speaking from when this album dropped, but I, you know, it brought nostalgia of playing like a garage band or guitar hero. And I think the first time I heard them was playing Save Ain't So on Guitar Hero or Garage Band. Um, and I always remember that damn orange button for the pinky. I could never get it, but I do remember just vibing out to the song Save Ain't So on uh, Garage Band. Rock Band, too. Rock Band. Damn. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I believe. Uh, cut. <laughs> and they also, I know my name is Jonas was on one too, because I can remember yeah. specifically sitting in my friend Brian's basement and he was amazing at rock band. Like one of those guys who you just like look at his hands and you're like, why is this the talent that you've developed? He was incredible <laughs> at it. And just watching him do it on like the hardest difficulty and just wailing away and being like, wow. I have played guitar it. since the eighth grade, and I, I, I still cannot play the intro to My Name is Jonas on real guitar. Like, I can play it's it hard. at, like, quarter speed, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I can't even imagine how tough it was on Rock Band. <laughs> yeah. No, it, no, it was easier. I'm sorry. It was easier. It was yeah, easier. so much easier. <laughs> sorry. It was five buttons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I definitely shared that same talent. I was I was killer at at Guitar Hero Rock Band, and I think my parents and and friends also were like, "That's awesome!" But like, wh- who who cares? Like, you're yeah. really good at a video game that like <laughs> is not yeah. real music. You know, you're they not were really probably like, music. "That's great!" But how many words per minute can you type? So right. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that transitioned. Uh, For me, I I share a lot of. Luke's high school memories of this album and Luke and I from just getting to know each other we were both pretty awkward kids in high school I think Luke had his glow up before I did because I don't feel like I felt like a competent human being until I got into college so this album with and we'll get into the lyrics and the sound and everything that that comes from it still connects with me in those memories but also I can, it's more like looking back at vignettes of my life rather than really feeling that emotion in the moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, similar to Joe and, and probably because we grew up, you know, in the same household and, and grew up on the same music, but this was not, um, you know, part of my, my repertoire. Um, so, you know, again, I was familiar with some of the songs, the singles, probably from that, the, those video games, um, I actually found myself knowing a lot of the lyrics, which was weird because I don't ever remember listening to to these songs. Um, you know, high school, I was I was a big, you know, Dave Matthews band, Hooting the Blowfish, um, you know, that kind of vibe. So I didn't I didn't really ever get into Weezer. Um, so I, I don't have a, a distinct memory of, of listening to it. I mean, this is the first time I've listened to this album f- from start to finish. Uh, I knew, you know, Buddy Holly and Say It Ain't So, but other than that, um, I, I didn't really have any history with with this album. Luke, this is a question for you. Is Do you feel like 
when you were in high school and you were in the Weezer camp, I feel like for me, there was a divide. You were either in the Weezer camp or you were more on that Dave Matthews band side. And there was kind of a social divide between those two groups in high school. Did you experience that at all? Yeah, and I, I think that's what's kind of interesting as far as kind of the musical history of the band is this is, you know, 94. We're talking, um, I don't know what your Kurt Cobain committed suicide, but um, we're talking post grunge, like everything was grunge stone temple pilots nirvana you know all those bands and then all of a sudden kind of came out really like 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 ryan said there were kind of two camps there were like this kind of jam band dave matthews and then there were kind of this homage to 80s guitar kiss uh black sabbath etc um that i think uh nerd rock I, I think is how i would define it um but yeah there definitely was a there were two camps and uh it was a weird social divide and i think it says a lot probably about uh about where ryan and i were in high school uh as, as sophomores and juniors and probably uh, where where you guys were at as far as, you know, probably being the guys that picked on us. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you two were cool. And Luke and I weren't. It's, that's what it says. No. Um, um, but no, I, 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 I'm, I, I don't think that at all, but I, I do. It's, 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 it's a, it's almost there there it's almost like a cult of weezer like i think that it has a very distinct fan base and um it's not even necessarily people that that still feel on the outskirts or still feel nerdy but there is a very distinct type of weezer fan um and i think that's important to to, to kind of highlight within the music um you know you it's it's really one of those things where you're either a weezer fan or you're not like i kind of like dave matthews you know I, you know i i could get into it but but like either you are a Weezer fan or you are not. And there is no in between. I, I feel like. Well, there you have it. The, uh, the sides have been chosen for this discussion. <laughs> and the battle has begun. Dave Matthews versus Weezer, uh, a battle for all time. So we did mention this album came out in 1994. Um, did you guys discover anything interesting that might've happened in that year? I've got, I've got a couple things, but I'm going to let y'all go first. Uh, Joe mentioned he was one. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I was, I was four at the, at the time. Um, I just Googled stuff. Cause again, I, I was too young to, to really have memories at this point. But the, the one thing I found interesting was the, the cost of a gallon of gas was a dollar 11, which I feel like when I talk to like people, my parents age or older, you know, they always reference back in the year, what gas cost. And so I wanted to throw that fact out there. A dollar eleven, like it seems low, but I, I think it just filled up the other day and gas is like one eighty something. So it's yeah, like it was, not, not that big of a difference. Yeah, it was ninety-nine cents here like two weeks ago. Well it was it was insane. Sprang well, that's field. what happens when the that's what happens when the, the oil market bottoms out during a pandemic. <laughs> so uh, getting gas like it's nineteen ninety-four. There we go. Woohoo. Um, I would say, you know, one other thing that was just interesting that happened, and it's actually a whole another genre of music and a third party, um, was that uh, this was kind of the year that Oasis and Blur uh, hit their stride. Uh, it's when their uh, Oasis album, Oasis's album, definitely, maybe, I cannot remember the name of the Blur album for the life of me, um, but that's when kind of Brit uh, alternative, British British rock alternative music, um, and you just could not get away from, from Oasis on the radio. So it was definitely 
definitely kind of uh, it was. It was a very divided kind of music culture. I believe that '94 was also the year that O.J. Simpson was accused of murdering Nicole Brown Simpson. I believe you. Were, I know. I know the murder. I believe took place in '94. I don't hold me to that. We might have to look that up. The no, I, I did. I did find that, and yes, that was one of the things that kind of popped up in '94. Yeah. So one thing I found in 1994 was that that was the year that Nancy Kerrigan was attacked by an assailant who was reportedly hired by her rival, Tanya Harding. It also happens to be, again, thanks to people emailing info at Album Roulette, it turns out that was the year that I went to Disney World, not 1995. (laughs) Um, That has been fact-checked by none other than Maureen Jennings. So yes, listeners, I have now referenced and credited both of my parents in this podcast. (laughs) And Uh, both of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> both of our to, listeners as a collective whole. Yeah. <laughs> thank you to both of you. But yeah, so I mean, that's a big year for me, but I, I really did get a, not a kick, because that's not really the right way to reference that. But I, I found it interesting that that was the year that uh, Kerrigan was, was attacked and, and eventually Harding was banned for life from figure skating. I know, I, looking at 94 facts, um, Speaking of a world with no sports, there was no baseball season in 94. So the players were on strike. Um, so we're basically going through what they went through in 94. I mean, um, gas is cheap. There's no baseball. All we need are two figure skaters to get into a yeah. fight, and it's the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I did find, Luke, you mentioned the Weezer cult. Um, Beanie Babies mania was blowing up during this time. And I... <laughs> I remember my grandma, or Kyle, our grandma still has the Beanie Baby collection uh, in her basement. And, you know, it, it's crazy to think of those. I was talking with my wife earlier. She remembers the Beanie Baby crave. Um, so I think I, you got your Weezer fans and you got your Beanie Baby fans. So I think we, we've got a big divide here. <laughs> They're going to be worth something someday. So hold on to that gold. <laughs> yeah. She's sitting on a gold mine. She has been for 30 years. Anything else from 1994 before we start actually talking about music? Perfect. Perfect, perfect. So let's let's get into it. Let's get into kind of initial thoughts when you heard that this was the album we'd be discussing. Uh, and any, just kind of that, for what your listening experience was like. Don't everybody go at once. Yeah, I mean, I I'll jump in. I, I <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to hurt my feelings, man. It's, yeah, dude. It, no, it's I just don't have much. I, uh, um, you know, I, you know, I didn't know much about this album. Never heard of it. Heard a Weezer, uh, and you know, I know the two songs that I mentioned earlier on this album. Um, but you know, just wasn't wasn't a fan of the rest of it. Um. I listened to the album Driving, which I, I, I tend to uh, listen to all my albums now driving because there's nothing else to do. So I just get in the car and listen to the album and drive around. Um, and, and I had a hard time getting through it, honestly. Um, I, yeah, did the sound was just, it just sounded like a lot. It just sounded unorganized to me at some, at some times. And it just, it just was difficult for me to listen to. Now, again, I, I did enjoy Buddy Holly and Say It Ain't So. And like I mentioned earlier, I somehow knew almost all the words, which I don't know where the hell I would have learned those, um, but, but did enjoy that. Um, but yeah, just, just wasn't, wasn't a big fan. 
especially since the words and say it ain't so are are seemingly fairly nonsensical like they right. there's no like <laughs> logic to them um but uh interesting okay well i had that note about say it ain't so because i think of all the all the tracks on this album it suffers the most from radio overplay kind of like what we were talking about with truth hurts and um good as hell uh it just gets played too much on, on a lot of the alt stations on the radio. So you hear it so much, but that doesn't mean that, and don't tell me you don't, but when, when they sing wrestle with Jimmy, every, you know, every person with a pulse listening to that song just sings along right there. You kind of get into it, that, that grungy lyric that, that you get from it. Like everybody sings along with that, no matter where it is on the radio. Not to mention any will, guitar here, guitar center in the nation that you go to, you will hear it at least <laughs> eight times. It's like, oh, look at me. I learned how to play guitar. <laughs> I will say, listening to the album as a whole, that one, you know, I, I knew the song was familiar with it, but that one just sounded a little bit differently than the, the songs that were previously on the album before it, it was a little bit different in tempo. It was a little bit slower. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I think that was a nice break, at least for me as a listener, um, just kind of getting the change. But again, it, it could have just been my familiarity with, with the song. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because growing up in the same household, like th- this was the first time I actually sat down and gave the album a full listen, all 41 minutes of it um, front to back. And so it, for me, it was, it was just, early this morning, you know, doing my, I was waking up, had a cup of coffee with it and just kind of sit and listen to it. And, um, I I kind of agree with Kyle. Some of the songs were hard to get into, but I would say there were three, um, I kind of three songs that I really did enjoy and I could see adding to the playlist of, of what I listened to. Um, say it ain't so obviously the classic, like to me, that's like fine wine. It just is continuing to age and you can sing to it. The feelings of the song, like Kyle mentioned, it was different. Um, the world has turned and left me here. I thought it was very singable and you could, you could hear like a crowd singing that. Um, and then the last one, kind of the outro or the, the final song only in dreams. I, I loved the instrumental, just how heavy it was and, you know, less lyrics in that song. Um, I feel like they showcased their talents in that. And I even felt like I was in a movie, almost like watching the, the credits of a, of a, of a film rolling. Um, but overall, I, I think kind of Kyle nailed it, unfortunately on the head where there were some songs I would say I had to skip one song because I was just like, it just got too kind of, kind of too grungy almost in a sense or too, uh, too crowded. Um, and so that's kind of the, huh? I was gonna say, folks, there you have it. The first skip of the, uh, of the podcast. <laughs> which, which song Is did it? you skip if I, if we can ask I was going to say, do you guys want to take your guess? Too grungy. Uh, and not, too, not too grungy. Maybe too, I mean, too crowded, too cluttered of sound. Undone? No. Man. It was, the, it was like the last minute of the song, basically. Oh, uh, is it Holiday? Yeah. No, that one I didn't mind. Okay. That one was okay. fine. It was it was sweater song. Oh, I don't. Okay. I don't undone. know why. Yeah. That's undone. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Show, shows how much I've listened yeah. to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I will get. I will go next to give Luke time to. 
dry his tears and <laughs> compose himself. Punch, uh, yeah, fix the hole in his wall. Yeah. <laughs> I have such, I have a prior history with this album. And, and again, we're, I think we're going to continue to revisit this, what we're calling for lack of a better term, the Justin Bieber effect where it hits you at the right time and you live and die by it from there forward. Because I did listen to this album a couple times and there were a couple times when I first started listening to it that I was doing other work, I was driving. It didn't hit me right. And then I realized how much of this album was tied to prior history and prior memories in my life. And the last listen I did, I literally sat down at the bar in my basement. I poured myself a drink. I turned it on. And it was it was kind of like sitting down and and sitting with somebody that you knew from a long time ago and trying to figure out where they're at and where you're at. And when I did that, a lot of this opened up and I started unraveling a lot of what was going on because I was actually taking time to go down the memories. It's, it's funny that you mentioned undone because it's one of my favorites on the album, but it's one of my favorites on the album, not entirely because of what it is musically, but because when I was in pep band in high school, we had a guitarist in pep band who could play Undone. And I can just remember all the really good times we had sitting, you know, waiting for the game to start or just dicking around and singing Undone and just getting into those lyrics and, you know, pull my thread as you walk away, as you walk away, and like all of that on the back end of it. It was amazing. And I love that. And I had that opportunity to revisit it with which for you and Kyle wasn't really there because you didn't you didn't have that. You were you were right. on not right. not that we're creating this Dave Matthews Weezer divide, but you were on the other side of the divide in the same way that I think if you put a Dave Matthews band album in front of me right now, I don't have a connection to it. I'm gonna listen to it and try and try and fit it into my worldview now. And it might not fit because it was recorded. Right in the nineties. So I still love this album. I can't wait to get into favorite and least favorite and talk more about some of the influences that go into this album, because when we get into it, um, the beach boy ties in this album really bring it even more home to me as someone who grew up on the beach boys and love that music as well. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be upset because I kind of understand where the disconnect is for y'all but I still, I still adore this album and, and enjoy it. And Luke has had time to kind of walk off and come back. He's dried his tears. So <laughs> I'd like to hand it over to him to, to get some of his thoughts. Um, so yeah, second to the, this album is actually my second favorite Weezer album. Um, my, my favorite is Pinkerton, which was the follow-up to this, which is probably even more deeply teenage Luke, uh, if you've ever had a chance to listen to it. Um, but I, something about it, I think, like I said, I, I really kind of get where Bieber fans are coming from. Um, you know, you, you're when you're a teenager, you're just trying to figure out who the fuck out there is like you and who is who agrees with you and and you're just there's just it's a weird fucking time i mean everybody always says oh if i could go back to a time in my life i would go back to high school um there is no fucking way (laughs) (laughs) there is no way um and and i think that if there's anything even if you don't like this album i think 
putting it in into perspective, it, it is important because there it, there are a large group of people that that grow up that that are that do feel like they are on the other side. And I think what was really cool about this is it proved that nerds can rock and roll. Um, nerds don't nerds don't have a, a lack of that rock soul in their in their uh, in 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 their personality. And it just it just continues to, to vibe with me, even though I don't kind of have that sense of disenfranchisement anymore. Like I, I ended up uh, in high school, I actually found myself, I was the best dressed in my senior class, don't mean to brag. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I turned, I, I kind of turned it on, but it's still, I, I just think that it's really important to, to highlight that. And, and I feel kind of bad about making fun of Justin Bieber for so long because I think it does speak to people at that particular time in their life. Um, you know, in particular, you know, the, the undone, the sweater song, I think one of my, my favorite kind of, uh, comparisons is, you know, you hear these superficial discussions. Hey, bro, did you hear that band? That's my favorite band, bro. Let's go get a beer. But there's this man that's singing about how I am literally coming undone. And I'm really, and that, and that sense that, that high school students probably feel and, and younger people probably feel where um, they, they see, or at least, at least feel like the rest of the world is acting normal while they are truly coming undone um, really spoke to me as a teenager. And I'm fine now. I'm, I'm 34 years old, <laughs> but uh, it, it was really meaningful to me. And, and like I said earlier, I, I just think that it, it, it makes me judge uh, listening to it as an adult, it makes me judge those Justin Bieber fans a lot less. Um, and, and, and I get it. Like I get that, that this was an album that struck a chord with me at a, at a kind of a pivotal time in my life um, and, and was important to me. And, and I think that's cool. I think that any band that can, can develop that cult like fan base, whether it's uh, being a believer or, or being a Weezer nerd, I, I think that's, I think that's cool. And that's what music is all about. It gives people an opportunity to identify with themselves, figure out where the fuck they're going in their lives, um, and, and just feel like they're not alone. And I, and I know that sounds corny, but uh, I think that's what music's all about. I think that's that's what's so cool about what we're doing and what we're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm honestly super excited that we literally got this divide that is almost entirely based around prior experience because, again, it highlights how music is more than just something we listen to. Uh, it has to it has to sound right at the right time to be something that you hold on to. So this is really cool that we we've literally just through through looking through random albums and getting them picked have have started to discover that and how it's affected our own lives and our own backgrounds. And I almost think it it would be different. Um, yeah, because I know. Like this could be an album I see myself or maybe even a band. If I go see them live, it totally brings up a different discussion. You know, for instance, Young the Giant um, never would have listened to them growing up, never would have listened to them in high school. I went and saw them in college. I mean, they're, they're in my top 10 bands that I listen to now every day. But because of the experience that I was able to kind of share with them in the moment, seeing them live, hearing them live, you know, it, it created this sense of, I understand this. this is, I'm at this place now where I, I listen to them. It takes me back to that time. So uh, not to knock the album at all, but I definitely feel where you guys are coming from with that. I just wish I could put myself in those shoes. You know what I mean? I was just going to say, I was going to piggyback off of what Ryan was kind of hinting at. And I want to go back to kind of like our intro episode and kind of why we're doing this whole thing is 
you know, we all enjoy music. We all enjoy some similar music, but we also have, you know, music that we prefer. Um, but it's those memories that, that come from listening to music that we all spoke about in the first episode, kind of why we're doing this. You know, we all got into music from an influence of another person or through memory or whatever. So like, I can definitely appreciate, um, you know, your guys appreciation for this album just because you've, you have experiences around listening to it and Joe and I just don't. And so to us, it just sounds like, you know, another song that I would never listen to because I don't have those ties to it. I'm trying to think back, like, yeah, I was a Dave Matthews band fan, but you know, their music didn't really speak to me kind of like this music spoke to you guys and to a lot of people. I'm trying to think of like who that outlet was as a musician when I was in high school. And like, I, I am embarrassed to say, I think it was like Jason Mraz, but like he was, you know, a little bit more poppy but, you know, I kind of related to him because one, that's when I started learning to play guitar and I was like, oh, his songs are kind of simple to play and they're, they're catchy and, um, and what have you. But he was also kind of like a geek and nerd type of guy when you look at to all, the, all the other musicians that were, that were um, kind of big at that time. So, um, you know, again, definitely, definitely can appreciate your guys' appreciation, but, you know, just, just don't have that connection. Could it be that you were just hanging out with the wrong people in high school and, you know, you were in the wrong group? I was in it. I was part of the Dave Matthews band side. So I was in every group. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was established earlier. <laughs> Kyle Shaughnessy, man of the people. But I think what is interesting about this is, I mean, it was, you know, there were, was music that I liked when I was younger. I mean, I think on our very first podcast, I talked about my first album being the Goo Goo Dolls and, and City of Angels. And it was listening to music for pleasure. And, and when I got into Weezer, it was like I got into music on a deeper level. Like it was the first time that I had really listened to it and, and identified with it. Um, and, and that, that's cool. I mean, that for me will always be, and that's why I'll always defend this album, um, as, as one of my all time favorites is it, it did, it got me into listening music to music with a more critical ear and kind of appreciating it. So I, I do appreciate it though. I mean, like I, like I mentioned kind of and alluded to, there are some pieces of this album that I do not think age well oh god yeah are we about to i mean if we want to jump into it we can start talking yeah. about no one else right now yes uh, <laughs> she doesn't want to be your girlfriend man fucking give it up <laughs> like you you're a creep stop calling her stop texting her dming her whatever it still applies <laughs> what about what about favorite favorite songs i mean we've all got to have at least one favorite off of this yeah, I, I mean, I think I think my favorite is Buddy Holly. Again, I think it's just because um, I was familiar with it. Um, you know, I, I hinted earlier, I, I knew the lyrics for whatever reason. I don't know why, but so I enjoyed singing along to it. I, I will say um, <clears throat> kind of a, uh, a second place, I guess. I put uh, My Name is Jonas, and I, I put this kind of, because of the journey that it sent me on, not necessarily because I actually enjoyed the entire track, but I thought that the, you know, guitar intro is cool. Um, and I also picked on some interesting harmonies kind of throughout that track, which, which also, you know, carry throughout this, this album. Um, and so I, you know, did a little bit of research and found out that, that Weezer actually um, practices a lot of their vocals in like a barbershop quartet style. 
Um, and I think they practice and warm up that way. And I think some of their, their concerts, they might do some of these songs in that style. And so for whatever reason, I quickly went down a rabbit hole of barbershop quartet history and music and just started learning and, and consuming that, which was interesting to me. Um, I stumbled upon a shaggy, it wasn't me cover in a barbershop quartet style, <laughs> which was interesting to hear. So again, you know, this whole, this whole uh, adventure that we're on is, is about these experiences. You know, you know, I didn't have the best experience with this, this whole album, but it did send me down some, some rabbit holes that I enjoyed, um, you know, to research. So I think that is a, a pretty good segue into Rivers Cuomo and his influence from the Beach Boys. Um, this album is a really good highlight of how heavily influenced he is by the Beach Boys. You talk about the harmonies in the garage is uh, a beat perfect homage to In My Room, uh, one of the really, really, really great Beach Boys tracks of all time, one of my personal favorites. And I found a very interesting interview with Cuomo where he said that when he was get, just getting started with Weezer, he went to look for a classic album to influence the direction the band would take. And he, it came down to two albums. It came down to the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, and the other album was uh, what is referred to essentially as Led Zeppelin 1. Led Zeppelin. It's the one with the big, the Hindenburg exploding on the cover, one of their first albums. And I just want to imagine for a second what, with how heavily he pulled from the Beach Boys to influence this album, what this album could have sounded like if he had picked the Led Zeppelin album instead of the Beach Boys. And my take is that we would have just gotten a 30 years too early Greta Van Fleet. Luke, you might be able to speak to this better, but I think Cuomo has the ability on guitar to kind of pick off where Zeppelin left off in some regards. Yeah, I mean, Cuomo is undeniably, I mean, he, he is a guitar virtuoso. Like the dude not only plays guitar, but but plays guitar, like it's it's in a way, I think it's, I've heard it referred to as math rock. Like it is a very technical approach, um, honestly kind of reminiscent of what was going on in the 80s of very, very, very technical solos. Um, and the dude is a perfectionist. Like he, he, he will record it until it sounds right uh, over and over and over again. Um, at, at the risk of his own sanity, which is also up for debate uh, <laughs> later on in their career. Uh, Weezer actually, interesting enough, took a hiatus uh, after this album was released. Um, Rivers went up to Harvard because uh, he's, uh, he's a brilliant dude uh, and, uh, and, and took a break and w went to Harvard for a little bit to school uh, while he penned uh, the lyrics for the next album. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, I, I, I think there, there is some Zeppelin influence, but arguably, I think it would probably go into to, to much later Zeppelin influences with uh, heavy metal, Iron Maiden, etc., um, kind of being the influence. Uh, it's just fascinating to go down, but I will bring us back and disclose my favorite track off the album, which has been Shifting. So I really do have an affinity for Undone. But after this last li listen, uh, my favorite track off this album is Surf Wax America. And I don't know, like, I've heard it before, but I never really listened to it until this last listen. And the, the thing that tipped me over the edge are the lyrics, because it's kind of the most wisdom-filled lyrics on this album, where 
it's kind of this guy talking about how I'm going to, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of society, but he's also wise enough to know that the undertow is probably going to bring him back. And I just think that it, like, as I was listening to it and as somebody who in high school was like, fuck the man, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be my own person. And I do feel that I'm still my own person today, but I've also, I have a mortgage, I have a family, I have a pet cat. I go to homeowners association meetings, like the undertow got me. And so when I heard that song and they're singing about it, pulling you back, I was like, this is really wise. And it really, it is the song on this album that speaks to me now in a way that didn't speak to me when I was in high school. So I, and, and the sonically, I think the song is really fantastic as well. Uh, I, not my favorite track, but I, I would agree. I mean, there, there's, there's, it, the song's kind of a journey toward the end. You know, at the beginning, it's very energetic, and he's like, "Fuck the man, you're working for a corporation." But at the, in the end, um, they bring in the organ, and it's almost this like mournful, "You'll take your car to work, I'll take," and he's like, "I, I can't do this anymore." <laughs> um. But yeah, so I, I would say my favorite track, and, and maybe this is like true Weezer fan to, to say this, but it's only in dreams. Um, but, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, it is their, it is their seven minute and 12 second magnum opus. Um, it is the perfect close to the album. Um, it just really experiments with a lot of sounds. Um, I, I really appreciated their use of stereo. If you, if you listen, re-listen to the track, um, it, it, it uh, has a neat, kind of build up where there's got you've got the stereo effects of the electric guitar in your right ear the bassy bass guitar in your left but then the acoustic guitar kind of split between the two channels um and it just kind of builds up and and it just it just kind of comes over you like a wave uh it's truly one of my favorite guitar uh, favorite songs of all time um and i think is a perfect way to close an album and, and i will say that despite weaver's uh, Weezer's <laughs> Latter-day Sins, um, they do know how to open an album and they do know how to close an album, regardless of how you feel about um, Maldroit and, and all these other albums, Hurley, that they kind of released uh, in their weird figuring themselves out phase. Um, their openers and their closers are always solid. Um, and it, it's just one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it. Oh. I might be crazy, but when I, every time I listen to Only in Dreams, it sounds like as it builds and builds and builds, they keep kind of tossing in little winks and nods to different parts of songs earlier in the album. Like, I feel like I'm picking up pieces of like Say It Ain't So and Undone and My Name Is Jonas. Like, I feel like I'm picking up little melody bits or baseline bits from other parts. I couldn't find anything to verify that this is the case, but every time I listen to it, I feel like as it builds you keep hearing different bits that kind of kick you back to songs prior in the album which if that's the case is a brilliant brilliant way to close out an album i would say you know last week with lizzo we had the best opening song with because i love you and this week i think this is the best closing song we've had on an album with only in dreams yeah i mean i have to piggyback off luke i mean that he nailed it that was my one of my favorite songs um i mean say it ain't so is going to be one that sticks around but I really liked this, uh, you know, the, the ending of it, Only in Dreams. It was interesting because just looking at how long all of their albums are, the instrumental piece from that song is longer than one of their full albums, than all the songs in one of their full albums. So like 
the, it's like a little over three minutes is the instrumental and it's longer than every single song on the track of I think it's Knowledge Roy. and it's that's so crazy to think about that the songs on that album are less than three minutes and the instrumental on this just one song that they closed out with was longer than that um so wait but every I, song on maladroid is less than three minutes or is, is less whole, than three okay minutes. i thought you were saying the yeah, whole yeah. album was three minutes long and i was <laughs> yeah. like yeah. what the fuck are listen. they doing <laughs> yeah um but no when the bass line first hit on that song i had to like double take to make sure i was listening to the same album because it was such a different sound that they brought to it um and i think just the play on the the bass and the drum um you know the the simple drum beat that came with it i think that is what I connect with um, the most. And then just you know, very subtle, just, you know, not overcomplicated lyrics that went with it. But I think I enjoyed more of the instrumental piece of kind of that song. Um, and then tying in kind of the, like you were saying, Ryan, it kind of, kind of builds itself and then it kind of fades out into the end. So it was a, it was a great way to kind of close it. I, I agree. I think it was a great way to close it. Just, uh, it was over. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Shots fired, which is another perfect segue, I got to say, on on the shots fired category, because we're going to go into least favorite track or at least the track that you would remove from the album, which I know, I think, Luke, you've spoken to this, might be a cardinal sin against Weezer because they always, they do what? How many songs do they do on an album? It's almost, I think it's always 10. I'd, I'd have to look at that, but I think it is always... 10 songs i should know so that. kyle this is this is your chance to just spit in rivers cuomo's face um so fire away i mean I, I i wish i had more to say and i wish i was more creative i mean i would have i didn't enjoy the album i mean i i think that's that's fair to say um and and so instead of removing a song from this album i'm just going to pick one that i'm going to continue to listen to and not listen to anything else and that would be buddy holly i i i could i could go without listening to the rest of this album um from here on out and i again i think we've covered reasons why and and i just don't have a connection like you guys do and it just wasn't uh enjoyable to listen to um so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pick one i'm just gonna dump the whole album i enjoyed the experience because we get to talk about it but um, you know, I'll, I'll hold on to Buddy Holly just cause I like to rock to it and, uh, and continue my life. Well, you can, you can hold on to Buddy Holly and you can hold on to Dave Matthews because honestly, Buddy Holly <laughs> is the song I'd cut off this album. I, it is the one song when it hits, it kind of pulls you out of what they've built to ahead of that. And it's the song that doesn't really fit with the rest of what's going on on the album, the rest of it feels very introspective. It feels like you're figuring things out. And that one's just, for lack of a better term, it's just kind of poppy garbage, which, again, as a Dave Matthews fan, that's kind of what you're into, right? <laughs> I just did a little bit of re- reverse psychology on you there. I actually picked the song that you guys are going to pick, so we're all in agreement somewhere. <laughs> nailed it (laughs) yeah i i would say take off the last minute of um the sweater song i'm not gonna i'm sorry just take it off um but then i would say if they changed the lyrics of in the garage to in the shower i think i would have connected with it a little more 
you know, in the, in the shower, I feel safe. No one cares about my ways, you know, in the shower where I belong, no one hears me sing this song. Like to me, like now I'm on board. Your water let me, bill, let me your water that. bill must be outrageous. <laughs> we got nice hot water down here. I'll say that. You've got like three water heaters in the basement just to cover it. <laughs> Joe's in the shower right now. As, as, <laughs> as for, no, that is interesting though, that changing one word would, 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 you know, connect listeners differently than, 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 you know, what they have. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe listeners would have preferred earwax America. <laughs> it's true. It's bikini wax America. Yeah. I think in the garage was, it, it, it is one of, it's another one of my favorite. I mean, they're all my favorite. Let's just be real. Um, but you know, it ain't butter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't grow up in the burbs, so I didn't have a, an attached garage. Uh, <laughs> like all of you privileged motherfuckers, I grew up in South City. Um, but yeah, I mean, like safe spaces for teens, like they were talking about like a safe space where you can feel okay to be yourself. So for Joe, it's the shower. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's it's my bedroom. It was my bedroom as a teenager where I had all my posters and my guitar. And, and I think that is kind of cool. I think that uh, everybody deserves a place where they can be themselves and and be exactly who they want to be and he talks about you know playing dungeons and dragons and and all these kind of lyrics and he doesn't have to worry about he doesn't have to give a shit about what anybody thinks about him so to, to me that was one of my favorite 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 songs but um least favorite i i do have to agree with ryan it is definitely definitely buddy holly um <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad song. I mean, it's it's poppy, it's fun, um, and and it has its place. But it was just weird, like in the middle of this, almost like it felt like kind of a confessional for for teenage rivers um, to kind of admit to his 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 misgivings and 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 difficulties. Um, but it felt really weird right in the middle of the album. It's this kind of pop uh, power hit uh, right in the middle of of an otherwise very very dark album. So we, any other questions about the a- album that we want answered? Um, really quick, just did, did, how did you guys feel about the song Holiday? Um, that one's actually been on my regular rotation since all of this nonsense started. You know, it talks about getting away for a while and, and getting away from kind of reality. Um, you know, and it was kind of my theme song. I, I had a really weird and kind of unique experienced the i was traveling in europe uh for three and a half weeks um literally like a week before the shit hit the fan with coronavirus like i remember on the last night that i was there watching television and being like oh this is about to get like super super real um and and holiday has kind of been like my like mantra or just like my getting back uh, away from like i I just wish that i could get away from this and i wish that and honestly of the all the songs in the album that i feel like are really relevant today um holiday to me really has speaks a lot and of all the songs in this album has been on repeat for me on, on a regular basis moving on we do need to go ahead and pick our high school yearbook quote, which for two of us, uh, probably going to be pretty poignant for the other two who like to listen to Dave Matthews band and talk about crash might be a little bit more difficult. So I'm going to start with Kyle and see what he's got. Um, my lyric comes from surf wax America and I am right. Uh, the sea is foaming like a bottle of beer. The wave is coming, but I ain't got no fear. 
I don't, I don't have any reason other than it just sounds like it sounds like an epic, epic exit to high school. Just like mic drop. See ya. Yeah. So I was kind of wrestling with two. Um, I think high school Joe would have put from say it ain't so flip on the telly wrestle with Jimmy. Um, so I, so I did some research and wrestle with Jimmy is, I, I guess it's a term or slang for male masturbation. And so I, I think all of us can connect to that kind of in the high school age. Um, I think we can all connect to that lyric. Um, but it, again, it, there are so many references to that. Uh, thanks to, you know, genius lyrics. Um, they gave me that kind of quote. But the other one I think now I could go back to high school because we all want to. Um, I think the second verse of Holiday, don't bother to pack your bags or map. You don't need them where you're going. Uh, you're only going where the wind is blowing. So I figured that that like speaks to me now, uh, especially like the new beginnings, the anxious feeling, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, sappy high school quote. I definitely think Flip the Telly and Russell with Jimmy. It's like, yeah, that's the one that I would probably go with. My high school yearbook quote, and I think we're on a theme here with the whole being at home and wanting to be on holiday, but it was simply, we're going where the wind is blowing. And I felt like I was pretty directionless coming out of high school. And for a period of time, I went where the wind blew me and kind of made it work as I went along. So that, that would definitely be high school Ryan's yearbook quote. And judging by Luke's reaction a little bit earlier, uh, I'm interested to hear what his high school quote would be. Ah, uh, damn it. So it's actually the same one that Joe just said. It's verse two it's from Holiday. It's finally happening. <laughs> uh, don't bother to pack your bags or your map. We don't need them where you're going. We're going where the wind is blowing, not knowing where we're going to stay. And and honestly, some of my favorite vacations and trips have been ones that we've planned and planned and planned and like had like a very like specific itinerary. And it's been thrown up in the air. Um, we, you know, we've been out to the Outer Banks, uh, and I remember years ago. Um, I can't even. Did you take the ferry? No, we didn't take the ferry. Uh, but uh, years ago, my wife and I were headed out uh, for the first time to Manio Island, and um, I said, "Hey, Suze, I, I heard the weather was going to be kind of shitty this weekend. Why don't we look at it?" And we look at the weather, and there's a fucking hurricane bearing down on the. <laughs> <laughs> but we still went and we still had it was probably one of my favorite vacations uh again when i was in europe this last year there was a massive windstorm and 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 uh um, rainstorms uh that shut down trains and i had to kind of replan my whole trip on on, on a whim and it, it just i love the fucking travel i love it uh and i love to kind of explore and, and that feeling of of not knowing exactly where we're going um it I think travel just pushes you into that that sense of uncom being dis uncomfortable, uh, and that's the thing I love the most about traveling. I, I, I even though I am a planner, I, I like not knowing where the hell I'm going to end up. I do, I do think for the three of us, we need to back up and learn more about this trip where you went to the Outer Banks, and there was during a hurricane, um, because that. That's very similar to the events of the Outer mm -hmm. Banks, and and I need to. I need to know. Check your sources. Yeah. Do you have yeah. the gold? I don't know what you're referring to because I don't want <laughs> trash. Um, oh. <laughs> you, mother, you guys Shots have fired. ripped off you my just... favorite album. Oh, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> at you, bro. <laughs> 
but yeah, I just, I remember we were like maybe an hour, hour and a half out and we were just like, oh, there's a hurricane. Should we like turn around or? Sadly, moving on. Uh, I do have to ask the question. Is there anybody that you would want to see do a cover of this album completely? And I do find this ironic knowing uh, Weezer's affinity for doing covers nowadays. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Um, I I, I kind of listed three, a couple that were kind of like, maybe. Um, the first one that instantly popped into my mind, and this takes me back to my high school days, uh, Lil Wayne. And hear me out. In 2009, he dropped the album Rebirth, which was when he was hanging out with Travis Barker from Blink-182 and learning how to skateboard. And he put out Rebirth, which was like a punk hip hop rap album. And I think just it would be killer to hear him mumble on the track and then just hit hit the D note just on the guitar for like his solo. <laughs> I think it would be it would be incredible. If Travis Barker was on it, I think it would be amazing. Just like so on you, the album. you want to see Wheezy do Weezer. Is I think what so. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Young Moolah, baby. Um and then the other two I had was uh, Gary Clark Jr. I think he would bring some fire to it. Just, again, incredible guitars and the drums and just the funk and grungy feel. And then the last one I put on was the Cranberries. I think that would be a fun take. Um, you know, the Irish kind of folk, funk, grungy. I don't know. I think it would be interesting to hear them take it on. Would definitely be uh, be interesting to hear a female female singer do songs like no one else, um, but I'm down with it. <laughs> it's it's hard to beat Wheezy doing Weezer, um, and my my pick's actually pretty pathetic. Just like all of my comments about this uh, this <laughs> <laughs> album, <laughs> but I, I picked Sugar Ray as Ooh. as uh, the group to cover it because they're around the same you know time period in my life. Um, that, that's kind of what I listen to. Um, you know, they, they have, have some harmonies in, in a lot of their songs. So just thought it would be, you know, uh, um, it would be cool to hear them do it. Okay. Uh, so mine was, uh, inspired by the, if you guys have ever heard the gray album, which is a mashup album by danger mouse, um, that features Jay-Z's the black album and the Beatles, the white album. Uh, and it is dope. If you've never had a chance to listen to it, uh, I would love to see danger mouse do a mashup of, uh, the blue album and something else because uh, I, I i think the, the theme of colors is is, is pretty cool uh but uh yeah i think that would be a really sweet opportunity to see danger mouse not even not necessarily do a cover but a mashup of the blue album and another famous album but you, it's you don't have the i don't album. i don't I, but uh, you know but. i'll give you one it, it also has to do with colors how about frank ocean channel orange Ooh. It's a, also kind of like a, a hip hop R and B type of vibe. It's blue and orange. What color does that make? Does that just go to brown, or is that like an off purple? <laughs> yeah, you're you're Dookie Brown. That, I'm that I'm co- I'm looking at it. Blue and orange combo. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say the red album by Taylor Swift would be a good one too. Oh god! Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> a lot of purple there i i could see i mean th- this album undeniably does have some some sweet hooks and some sweet just very like uh, pop 
lines yeah. to it. So I think that you could absolutely turn this into a really cool mashup. Yeah. Honestly, I think I think Taylor Swift's Red, I don't know what's on that album, but it's got to be poppy enough that it might work. Uh, that's a good one. I went I went kind of down. I, I just took the easy way out on both of mine. Uh, the first one, just for irony's sake, uh, just have Toto cover the whole album at this point. Like, I literally cannot tell the difference between Toto's Africa and Weezer's Africa at this point. So, like, fuck it, just do the whole album and see what happens. And the other one that I think would just be very interesting is maybe not a complete cover, but maybe just have uh, Cuomo and Brian Wilson collab on a complete remake of the album. Uh, I think that would just be very, I think, you know, I think, I think for Rivers, you're, you're talking about an opportunity to work with somebody who he obviously adores and has influenced him. And then Brian Wilson's ability and, and understanding of how music works above everything else in his life. Um, I think would turn it into something fascinating and, and worth at least an initial listen. So that's what I would say. I mean, that, we're coming kind of to the close. Do you guys want to, want to give any final thoughts on the album? Anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to discuss? Yeah. I mean, I, we've, we've, we've referred back to this many times, but again, I, I will say that I, I, I do get it for, for believers out there. Um, I think that music hits you in a place where you're at and, and is important where you're at in your life. Um, and, and that's just as important as the music itself um, and, and what it means to you. So um, this album was, was incredibly meaningful to me as, as a high school student um, that, that was struggling. And uh, I, I think uh, will continue to be one of my favorite albums of all time. So uh, no judgment on pop music. Uh, I, I think to me, I, I really recommend that this is my version of, uh, of of the Justin Bieber albums out there that speak so loudly to the youth today. Well, there you have it. Uh, that is Luke Gerke comparing Weezer on a level with Justin Bieber. So please direct all mail directly to him with regards to that. Uh, but no, I, I do agree. It, music is all about when it hits you and the, the point in life that you're in when you first get to hear it and interact with it. And truly, no slight against people who find that connection with any sort of music. That connection is yours. That's what makes music personal. And we support that. We may make fun of it from time to time, but we support that. Uh, so we now are moving towards the randomizer and picking next week's album. But first, we would like to turn it over to Joe as our esteemed guest and provider of the Fast Fact Minute. Joe, please go ahead and add an album to our list and tell us why. Yeah, so the album that I'm going to add to, and I don't want to call it a list because if we're going to be doing album roulette, I think we need to add an album to the chamber. And so the album that I'm going to add to the chamber is an album from uh, one of one of my top five favorite um, artist King's Kaleidoscope. They're a Seattle-based kind of band that um, they've kind of pushed the boundaries with alternative rock, um, but many people may may hear them in kind of more of a, a like a Christian-like type band, um, but they're not like a Christian band, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, the, the album that I'm going to put on is Zeal, which came out in 2019, um, and it was self- kind of published and it was self put out by them. Uh, it's their fourth album. We got to see them live, my wife and I in St. Louis, and it was 
an incredible show. One of the, one of our top favorite shows that we've been to. So zeal by King's kaleidoscope. We're adding it to the chamber, baby. Added to the chamber. An album added to the chamber. So this has now gone from just four guys hanging out talking about music to essentially Russian roulette. <laughs> um, which is, you know what? Fuck it. We're six episodes in. Like, just let it roll. So the randomizer is going, and we are picking the album, and here it comes. Folks, next week, we are going to be discussing, and we encourage all of you to listen to this week... Art Tatum's album, Piano Starts Here. And I'm sure a lot of you are like, who the fuck is Art Tatum? We're taking Uh, it way back. We are taking it way, way back. Art Tatum is a legendary jazz pianist. Uh, This album was added by myself. One of my, I guess it's a guilty pleasure in music, but something that I've always grown up on is classic jazz music. Glenn Miller was kind of one of my first inspirations getting into music. The St. Louis Blues March is what made me want to start playing trumpet in the first place. And from there, I just went deeper and deeper into jazz. And when you dive into the history of jazz music, there is always a chapter devoted to Art Tatum, who was a blind piano player. And when you keep that in mind, when you listen to this album, because the way he plays piano is honest to God, unlike anything else you'll ever hear both here ever again uh he came out of kind of what they called stride piano playing and it was known for being able to kind of stride your hands up and down the keys at a rapid rate so you're moving through octaves and and notes at a just a an unbelievable rate and art was the master um people people could not touch what he was able to do and again the man was blind so i I do encourage it. This will be an interesting podcast because it features zero lyrics. So high school uh, album quote goes out the window finally, which based on our last selection might be a good thing. Um, But it's definitely one that is going to stretch our listening muscles for next week. And I'm really excited to, to listen to it and dive, dive deep on it. If I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, but uh, I do believe he has a cover of the St. Louis blues on that album which is especially poignant because we are approaching the very special one-year anniversary of our beloved St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup. So um, I'd like to say thank you to Joe for being a guest this week. Joe, do you have anything you need to plug right now? Anybody you want to say hi to? No, I just want to say hey to all the listeners again. Thank you guys for letting me come on. Um, You know, if podcasts aren't your thing, I would love for you guys to hop on over to easylisteningcrew.weebly.com. Check out my uh, music blog that, ironically, I started right around the same time Kyle started the podcast. So if you're more into reading just about some awesome music and get some, some new music into your kind of playlist, head on over there. If not, continue listening here uh, with yours truly. Yeah, and we will certainly have Joe back on again, not only in the Fast Fact Minute, because as you may have noticed, he's got a voice and a face for podcasting, and we're lucky to have you. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. So that's it for this episode of Album Roulette. Again, make sure you listen to Art Tatum's Piano Starts Here over the next week. Uh, As always, you can find us on Instagram at Album Roulette. And feel free to send us any questions to info at albumroulette.com. And we'll be sure to get back to them in a timely manner. 
But other than that, as always, we hope you keep calm and turn the music on. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.